0: The Baltimore Ravens lose Marlon Humphrey to surgery. We talk about what it means for the Ravens cornerback room. And if the team is in trouble, coming up next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in here to another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I appreciate everybody for tuning in to this live edition of the show, making us your first listen each and every day we're free and available, all podcasting platforms, including in video form on YouTube. And we put out the Ravens content five days a week, Monday through Friday. And sometimes like this in live stream settings, when big news happens for the Ravens and so unfortunate the news we're going to be talking about today is, is, of course, Marlon Humphrey is put out there kind of unexpectedly. I don't think anybody really expected this, that Marlon Humphrey is having surgery or I guess has undergone surgery on his foot. And we'll miss, I think the timeline's about a month for the Ravens right now, but could be a little longer. So we'll talk about what the implications of his surgery is, how this all kind of came about, what John Harbaugh had to say about the situation And then we'll get into the state of the Ravens cornerback room right now, because for me, at least, if you're an everydayer of the show, if you've been listening every day, you know I've been saying over and over again, the Ravens just cannot, outside of Lamar Jackson, they cannot afford to lose Marlon Humphrey so we'll get into that and then we'll talk about updates from joint practices And the final segment kind of takes some uh t- takes a lighter approach and get into practices I know the Humphrey the Humphrey news is not great so we'll get into all that and this has been getting this live stream up has been kind of crazy I was I was gonna go live at 5 30 and then the stream yard was being a little weird and I couldn't really get the stream going so I said all right we're just gonna push it back to six and then my mic was muted when I started the stream at six, and like I couldn't get it to unmute, so I just I deleted that. I got it for six fifteen. So if you're here live on YouTube, I appreciate you tuning in on this Wednesday afternoon slash evening. And we'll, you know, this is an opportunity for me to get engagement in the chat. I, I can look in the comments here. Is Jay Evans in here? I think Jay was in here in the original one, so I apologize for the technical difficulties. Jay, he's saying this is literally one of the last things we wanted to hear, and it, it is. I, I've been saying it all the time. And if you're listening in audio form, you can catch this after the fact, of course. But if you want to get in the chat, be sure to tune in when we're live here on YouTube. But let's get into this surgery here because it was weird. We weren't really expecting this, but apparently Marlon Humphrey had had this thing lingering for a little bit. And Baltimore and Humphrey, I guess, decided that the timing of the surgery should be now instead of trying to see if it can heal and maybe have to go under the knife later but since it was lingering I don't know how like I don't know why they just didn't address it then I guess maybe it wasn't as bad then John Harbaugh wasn't really too specific I'm sure after the Lamar Jackson situation last year when there was a a much clearer timeline given for Lamar to come back and John Harbaugh was very adamant that he would be and then obviously we all know he did not I think the Ravens and John Harbaugh are being very cautious about the whole surgery timeline injury timeline thing that Humphrey is a player that, if you're talking about him coming back, so let's say the timeline is a month. So a month from today would be September 16th, right around week two, week three, we, you know, like two to four. We'll say week two to four. If you're in that area, if you're in that part of the season, it's much better to lose him then than it is to lose him in December or January or February when you're competing for the playoffs, the Super Bowl, et cetera. You don't want to lose him at all, obviously. But if you're the Ravens and you're saying, well, this is a month timeline, do the Ravens say, Yeah, we're just gonna put him back at that month timeline because we need him, or are they gonna give him more time to recover? Because you, you can't lose him for the beginning, beginning part of the year, rush him back, and then he if you put him out there at 60, 75 percent. If he goes down again because you rushed him back, if you're the Ravens, you lose him, you you lose him again. It's just it'd be a disaster. This is already a huge disaster. Nico in the chat saying we are cooked without Marlin. Uh, unfortunately I, I have, I agree with that. I've been saying all off season. I've been saying even, you know, leading up to this point, that Marlon Humphrey is the second most important player on the Ravens. And, you know, you can make arguments. Ronnie Stanley is very important. Justin Tucker is very important. Roquan Smith, et cetera. But to me based off of where the cornerback position is without Marlon right now, and we'll get into this more a bit in the second segment, but where it is now without Marlon is Rocky as is your number one corner but he's injured. We don't know when he's going to come back. So you move down the list. All right. What about Jalen Ember Davis, right? He's injured too. We don't know when he's coming back, but okay. Pepe Williams, he's injured too. He's going to be out until October. So essentially what you're working with is Kavon Seymour or Darius Washington, Daryl Worley, Brandon Stevens, Jeremy Lucian. And some of these guys like a Stevens, a Jeremy Lucian, these are all guys that are kind of hybrid corner safeties. They can do one or the other, Nico says, name one cornerback that even has the potential to step up. I mean, and Nico says there's none. There's there's not one that can step up and be Marlon. Marlon's a top five guy, versatile. He is that Ravens corner room. And it essentially, as I've said, reminds me of the Ravens wide receiver position last year where we knew, everybody knew it. If Rashad Bateman went down, the room was essentially not going to be good. It wouldn't have been a good situation. They lose both Bateman and DuVernay. And obviously we know what happened. They had to sign the corpse of Deshaun Jackson and Sammy Watkins round two It was not good. Now the the good news, the silver lining, and there aren't many, is the fact that Humphrey's not going to miss the entire season. But that comes back to my point about the timeline, whereas you don't want to rush him back. So if the Ravens say, yeah, he'd probably be good to go week, I don't know, two, three, four, five, do they maybe say, well, we want to give them more time to recover and put them back maybe five, six, seven, eight. And that's a situation they're going to have to play out and deal with probably based on where they are during the season. But looking at the Ravens schedule, they obviously open up against the Houston Texans in week one. I I think they still should pretty handily win that game, even without Marlon Humphrey. I think Humphrey's loss is a loss. But with C.J. Stroud being his this first ever start, we know the Ravens are a week one team. The week one Ravens, I like to call them. I think that should be fine. But then you move into that divisional part of the schedule, weeks two, three, four, and five, where you have the Bengals in week two away. That's going to be a big game. And obviously, we don't know if Joe Burrow is going to be back or not. Then you have the Colts in week three. So that's another one where I still expect the Ravens to win that even without Marlon. I think Anthony Richardson is very raw at that point. And I assume he's going to be a starter when he plays the Ravens in week three. So I'd still expect at the very worst, at the absolute worst two and one for the Ravens in their first few weeks with maybe a loss coming to Cincinnati, they could win that game too. Don't get me wrong. But then you have the, the Pittsburgh Cleveland where you have to four and five. You're playing Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And that's Kenny Pickett the Deshaun Watson And depending on how those games go, those could be swing games moving on to, you know, the rest of the season. Now Baltimore gets the home games later in the year in the division, but I kind of identified and other people had too, that with Marlon in that corner room, you could put him on a George Pickens, you could put him on a T Higgins or Jamar Chase, you could put him on a guy like Elijah Moore, well, he probably more so be an Amari Cooper, but now you have to rely on Rock Yassin, who from accounts has had a very up and down start to his Ravens tenure through practices so far, and then other players. And I had talked about this, Rita Hubbard, who joined me yesterday on the show, we had talked about this in in the fact that Baltimore, in my opinion, had to have Humphrey there, so health, Yassin there, health. And then at least two young corners step up. So whether that was Armored Davis or Williams or Washington or whoever, Seymour, they needed guys to step up. And I just, I don't know where that comes from. I don't say, I, I'm not saying I don't believe in those guys, but Marlon Humphrey in his loss essentially makes this Ravens cornerback room, a bottom five group, if not one of the worst, if not the worst cornerback groups in the league. Now, some interesting points here being made in the chat, Dusty Feller saying zone defense Ben don't break. They could they have areas to I'd say I'd say mask the loss of Humphrey. They're going to rely a ton on their safeties, you know, Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton. They're they're going to have to step up big. I expect this means an increased role for Geno Stone. I expect Kyle Hamilton might get more run at corner. Daryl Worley who, you know, essentially has said he's playing safety might have to go back to corner. So th- there is a there's a lot, but part of this is the fact that At the end of the day, the Ravens have to have their offense and defense go hand in hand. And Joshua Sutter coming in in the chat saying they'll be fine as long as the offense can keep it together, aka Lamar. That's what it's going to have to be. I mean, the Ravens are going to essentially have to score a ton of points and and hope their secondary doesn't fall apart. And on top of it, the Ravens also still have a need at pass rush. Now, corner obviously has skyrocketed. You know, if you had an argument for corner, or edge rusher at the time before Humphrey had this surgery. There were points to both sides. I had argued for both. I had said edge was huge. I had said corner was huge. Corner is undoubtedly now the the top need for the Ravens. But the issue is that we're not in March. We're not at the start of free agency, as I've said before. So at the end of the day, there aren't many if any needle movers on the free agent market right now, the Ravens brought in William Jackson. They could maybe go for a Bryce Callahan as a slot option, or they could go for a trade. I know Carlton Davis's name has been put out there. Jair Alexander's name has been out there too. Now I don't think that's a realistic move for the Ravens. I'd love it. He's my top corner option for the Ravens. I, I just don't think it's realistic. If you're looking for a green Bay corner, I'd say Rasul Douglas is probably the, the more realistic of Jair Alexander or Rasul Douglas, but we'll see. And Savage 4-0 saying the Ravens are going to have to put up 35 or more on the board in every game. I don't know if it has to be every game. I still think the Ravens defense is good without Marlon Humphrey, but the corner room is just such a weak point for them right now. And we're so uncertain on when that timeline is for him coming back. I just, I don't know when the Ravens are going to have the time to figure out, you know, Eric DeCosta is going to be working the phones. He's going to be figuring out. Plus, the fact that the cutdown day is coming up in a couple of weeks, and there will be teams that have a ton of depth at corner that end up releasing a guy that maybe the Ravens. I'm sure we'll probably see a signing in the coming days, and then probably a signing when cutdown day happens, and maybe a guy gets released that we don't necessarily have on the market right now to talk about Nana rave eight saying we already needed two good corners and we wouldn't get MP in my opinion, because of Harbaugh. Now, look at what happened. We lost Marlin as well due to injury when it rains, it pours interesting enough for the Marcus Peters thing quickly before we, we head into our first break. I think, so I I forget who it was. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, so I'm not going to say, but I can't remember who exactly put out the report, but apparently it wasn't just John Harbaugh It might not have been John Harbaugh at all. Apparently there were some players that were rubbed the wrong way in the locker room by Marcus Peters. And I guess his attitude, again, I don't know how truthful that is, but I remember seeing that somewhere. I just, I can't remember where it is, but we all know the spat that John Harbaugh and Marcus Peters had on the sideline. It was not exactly, not, not exactly friendly by those two, but coming up in the second part of the show, continue talking about the state of the Ravens cornerback room and just looking at where the Ravens go from here at the position. So be sure to stay tuned a lot still to get to here on locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Nutrifull and you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrifull provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. There's no drugs, no compromises, just better hair. And sometimes men think losing their hair is inevitable. You can take control of your hair's future with Nutrifull's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. As you know, 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime. It is normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate you can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is a number 1% dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. They're drug-free, and their patented technology provides consistent, reliable results. Go to Nutrafol.com men and take their health- wellness quiz, identify causes of your thinning hair. Nutrafol will give you the personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your months subscription for the first month and free shipping when you go to nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code locked on NFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com men spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men and enter promo code locked on NFL. That's Futureful.com slash men promo code locked on NFL. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens instant reaction live edition. Kevin Ostraker still here with you. This is the third day of the setup. We, we had a, our morning episode with Rita Hubbard of 1057 The Fan, the winning drive podcast. We talked about the first day of joint practices. She, she was great. I really enjoyed talking to Rita all the time. We have the live fish in the background here. We're still, we're still looking for fish names. I'll probably announce those. I, I don't, maybe start next week, but we're kind of moving and, and figuring out everything. But the fish in the background, I think, are a nice little touch. But unfortunately, again, we're here live streaming today because of the fact that Marlon Humphrey, as it was announced, is undergoing surgery, or I guess has undergone the surgery on his foot. Now, Justina Anderson, who is plugged into the entire NFL and is actually very plugged into the Ravens, did reveal that it's not a Liz Franck injury. So, That's an extremely good thing for the Ravens because if it was a list Ronk injury, as we have seen with Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, the foot injuries can be very weird. And I think when you're talking about getting screws in there and the removal of the screws and getting everything healed in the foot, it can be very difficult for guys to come back and come back fully healthy, especially during the season. Now we're at August 16th right now. There are a couple more weeks before the start of the season, but the state of the Ravens cornerback room has to concern a lot of people. It concerns me and I've been saying it for the entire off season. And look, you cannot, you can't make your roster perfect. You can't have every single position have six all pros, right? But I think for Baltimore, essentially why I, why I compared it to the wide receiver room outside of Humphrey is because of the, and honestly, if, if you take Humphrey out of the equation, it's, Almost identical, not exactly, but almost identical in talking about the 2022 Ravens wide receiver room in the 2023 Ravens cornerback room, because you have the one veteran for the receiver room was the Marcus Robinson for the corner room. It's, it's Rocky SC and, you know, Arthur Millett's in there, you know, and of course they've, they've looked at a couple other guys, but again, Bateman goes down. The room is not in a good place. Humphrey goes down. The room is not in a good place. And honestly, the drop-off from Bateman to the next guy compared to Humphrey to the next guy in both rooms, Humphrey's a significantly bigger drop-off. Humphrey is a guy that is an all-pro and someone that you just could not afford to lose here. Now, again, he's not done for the entire season. He could come back in week four fully healthy and things resume, but then the question still is, the, the Humphrey injury, the Humphrey surgery It's not necessarily like he comes back and every single problem is solved. Now, he solves a whole heck of a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. But even with Humphrey in there, you still have to worry, like, what if the young cornerbacks can't step up in that way? Because essentially right now, if if we look at the cornerback room as is right now, Humphrey's down, Yassine is down, Armory Davis is down, Williams is down. That's four guys who arguably you could say could have been the Ravens' top four corners, if you know, everything went well and maybe Armour Davis stepped up or Pepe stepped up. But your top two right now, Armour Davis and Pepe Williams. Now, the two of Armour Davis and Yassine are expected to return at some point. We don't know when. John Harbaugh said they're not long-term things, so hopefully that is the case. But the other thing with this, and I want to talk about this a little bit too, is the fact that with Humphrey and Pepe Williams, we know both those guys are going to miss the start of the season. So naturally, you'd probably say, well, why don't you put those guys on IR? And they can come back in, what is it, four weeks, and that can give you enough time. Well, you can't put a guy on IR in the offseason or before the cutdown day happens. If you put a guy on IR before cutdown day, it ends their year. Like last year, the Bears, when they signed Tavon Young, they put him on IR. That ended his season. So they have to keep Humphrey and Pepe Williams on their 53-man roster until I believe it's the day after or two days after one of those two, but you cannot put those guys on IR right now. So you have to use two roster spots on them to start the year. So that means you're going to have to still release, whether it's a corner or somebody else and hope they don't go through waivers and look with the way the Ravens corner room is right now. I don't know that teams are going to be jumping at the bit to go (laughs) sign these, these released Ravens corners, but still it's roster spots. You have to use up on those guys. So I, I don't necessarily know what the Ravens do move wise. I wouldn't expect. So I would think a trade could happen for the season. I, I wouldn't necessarily expect it though, until maybe the trade deadline. I think that's when the Ravens will make a move like that. I would hope they would make one before, but I think just the way that the Ravens maybe will operate through this with not knowing a full timeline on Marlin and him not having to miss the whole year. Maybe they look at that and just try to see what the young guys have. I, I don't really know about that. And then so Smith saying premier corners cost two first rounders. Is Jair worth that? It's, it's an interesting question because I think with the way, like having Marlon and and Jair on the same defense in the same secondary would be just, it'd be gross. It'd be incredible. I I would, I would love that personally. You know, the Jair Lamar uh, the connection they had from Louisville, but you know, if we're being honest about how the Ravens operate, they're not going to give up two first rounders for anyone, let alone one for anyone. The Ravens value their first round picks. They value having the fifth year option. That's why I don't think Jair is a real target for them. I'd expect if the Ravens are going to make a quote unquote splash, I'd say Russell Douglas, maybe Carlton Davis, as we've we've kind of seen on, on the Twitter waves a little bit, but I don't think Jair is a realistic conversation point for them, which I would love him to be, but I just don't think it will be. And Nico says, I also don't know in what world it made sense to sign Rock Yassin over Peters, honestly. So my thing with Yassin is I think he, from a schematic and and trait standpoint, he fits the Ravens a little better than Peters did. I think Peters, when you talk about him, the ball hawk, incredible ball skills, and didn't have a great year last year. So the Ravens essentially, if they re-signed him, the question was going to become, was last year an anomaly? Did did he need a year on the knee to just kind of get used to playing on it after surgery or was it truly the start of his decline? Now, by all accounts, in, in Las Vegas Raiders minicamp he's had or training camp, excuse me, he's having a heck of a time out there and intercepting passes left and right. But yeah, Cedon brings a little more physicality to the table. I think is better in run defense. And that's why I think the Ravens decided to go with him over Peters at the end of the day, because the Ravens love physical defensive backs. We know Marlon Humphreys one. We know Kyle Hamilton's one. Marcus Williams has a bit of that to him as well. So from a physicality standpoint, I, I think that's why. The Ravens did that. The truth is the light saying we've been without vital all pro left tackle Ronnie Stanley for two and a half years. And we survived and went to the playoffs and even won one. It's never ideal, but it can be survived. And that's correct. It is correct. The fact that the Ravens lost Marlon Humphrey does not mean their season is over, especially because Humphrey is not done for the season. But I think it's just, it highlights a need the Baltimore's had all off season and is probably the second worst case scenario for what Baltimore could have had happen to their position, and one of the worst case scenarios that could have happened to their roster. Now, obviously, the worst case in that position would be Marlon Humphrey missing the entire season. So now the Ravens have to rely more on their pass rush, which is still a question mark. How will Afa OA respond in his third season? Can David Ajabo step up in his second year? And where's the depth there? But now corner takes 100% priority over that at this point. So I don't think. It's an issue if you're talking about December, if Merlin Humphrey can come back at full strength and the Ravens don't rush him. Where I'm more concerned about is we know the AFC is a is going to be a dogfight this year. There are, and you know, if varying opinions. There are probably, I'd say, 14, maybe 13 playoff teams, that teams that could make the playoffs. There are obviously contenders and then teams that are more on the low end of, yeah, this team could make the playoffs. But really, I only see the Texans and the Colts is the two teams this year that I'm just like, eh, those teams? It's not their year. They don't have a shot. You know, you can argue that Vegas isn't going to be good with Jimmy Garoppolo. You can argue that the Titans are, are you know, not going to be good because of Ryan Tannehill. But I still think they have pieces to make the playoffs. So if the Ravens drop a couple of games early and they start off, you know, especially in the division, which we know four teams from that division can make the playoffs. If you don't have Humphrey for all those AFC North road games, which it's it's looking like that could be the case. And then plus some like maybe the Ravens don't want to have him travel to London. And then he misses week six. Does he come back in week eight? I I don't necessarily know what the timeline is because John Harbaugh didn't elaborate, but what we do know is that Humphrey will be down for probably the next month or so. and, And we'll have to figure out how the Ravens do their business over the course of these next couple of weeks as well. And, and Nico's saying, I trust EDC to make moves, but it's always stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And it seems like EDC is never ready for when things like this happen. So I will say one thing about the the narrative, I'd say about EDC not trying to get a cornerback. I think he has done stuff to try. We, the Ravens tried to get Xavier and Howard. I think, what? last year two years ago at the trade deadline they tried to get Darius Slay in fact Darius Slay almost signed with them he, he said himself he was this close to signing with the Ravens and then the Eagles came in with a big offer so nico saying a corner should have been taken way higher in the draft an example when we took Simpson that should have been a corner actually i agree with that point but i think the fact that edc has at least tried to get a corner and has failed means that he's at least trying to do so so i i agree with nico and the fact that i think that Trenton Simpson was more of a luxury selection than corner, which was clearly a need when, you know, the Ravens, they flowers. I, I've had this debate. I think he, he was the right pick and he's obviously showing it, but there was Joey Porter jr. On the board. I would have loved it. Oh, I would have loved it if The Ravens could have gotten Christian Gonzalez. I think he can, he's going to be a stub, but obviously the Patriots took him, but I think a third round corner that that probably should have been. And I was kind of pining for that. It should have been the move over Trenton Simpson, but it, you know, it is what it is now. And Baltimore's going to have to kind of figure it out is, They move forward, which is a situation they've kind of gotten themselves into. But Humphrey is obviously, I'd say, probably the best player on that defense. You could argue between him and Roquan Smith, it's pretty close. But I think Marlon is extremely talented and versatile. So now they're going to have to be without him for the first couple of weeks of the season. And we have Ingraven popping in in the chat saying, Emergency stream with Marlon Humphrey News. Ingraven's my guy. You know, go check him out, obviously. The King of Ravens YouTube, as I call him, he he does. Great work over there, and you know, Nico saying engraving in the building. Absolutely, yes, sir, he is. So we'll continue talking about the Ravens. In the final part of the show here, we'll continue getting into Marlon Humphrey. Also talk about updates from joint practices. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to get to in Locked On Ravens. We're back rounding out Locked On Ravens. Our final segment here of this instant reaction live episode, talking about Marlon Humphrey and his surgery. Kind of a sudden surgery, not not really expected here. Kevin Ostreicher is still here with you. Again, we're a five-day week Ravens podcast. So outside of these live streams we do, we obviously record five days a week, Monday through Friday. So we'll talk the biggest news, the biggest stories, game recaps, and we will go live. We're doing a live stream after every Ravens game this season. So we did one for the first preseason game. And obviously after big news like this, we go live as well. So let's just wrap up on Marlon Humphrey a little bit, and we'll continue talking about it throughout the rest of the show too. But I do want to get into joint practices a little bit, which we'll get to on tomorrow's episode as well. But Joshua is saying if the pass rush improves, that could hide some deficiencies in the cornerback room early in the season until guys get healthy. And that is a good point by Joshua. Now, what I will say about that, and while I do agree with what you're saying, Joshua, the fact is that the Ravens are going to have to probably do that a couple of different ways. And with the Ravens not having, I guess, proven depth, because we're not going to know about Oa, about a job o, and we don't even know when Bowser Bowser's coming back at this point, he's still on the NFI list, but they're going to have to probably get very creative with scheming blitzes up, sending guys off to the edge, you know, corner blitzes, safety blitzes, just being able to generate pressure and manufacture their pressure. And while guys like Justin Matabee, Kate Washington, Travis Jones can help on the inside. They're probably going to have to get creative to kind of mask the deficiencies that their corner room has, because I don't know about anybody else, but the Ravens corner room as it is right now in week two, going up against Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, regardless of if it's Joe Burrow, there or not, that doesn't make me super encouraged. Now, obviously Joe Burrow not being there would be big for the Ravens defense, but it just Humphrey, Humphrey's addition in that room, his ability to do so much, being somebody that can be so versatile, the physicality he brings, it, it's gonna be missed overall. And Nico saying we're also one injury away from being decimated at edge as well. Gonna be interesting to see what the roster looks like in week one. And that is true because we will be having the same conversation right now, albeit I think two. A bit of a lesser extent. Actually, I don't even know because let's say Adafe OE went down, and obviously knock on wood, that does not happen. But let's say that happened, it'd be David Ajabo, and that would be it because Tyus Bowser wouldn't be back yet. So then it's Tavius Robinson, it's undrafted guys like Malik Ham and and all these other Kaylee Sanders. So the Ravens, they are they were an injury away at the corner position in Marlon Humphrey. That happened. He'll be back at some point, but they are also, also Nico made a point, an injury away at the S position, which is a very good point. And Nana's saying, when it rains, it pours, but EDC will pull something out of his football magician hat. And it feels like Baltimore is kind of keeping tabs on guys. It feels like, if you remember back in 2020, when the Ravens signed Des Bryant, it, it was a situation when they brought him in, in the offseason and said, hey, we're going to bring you in for a workout, and there were reports that that workout did not go very well. But the Ravens, I think, essentially said, hey, look, we don't need you right now, but we want to have you essentially on speed dial in case we do. And the Ravens wide receiver position was lacking. They weren't getting production, and they signed Des Bryant. Now, Des Bryant didn't necessarily light the world on fire with the Ravens scored a couple of touchdowns, but it's essentially what I'm getting at where – Baltimore is going to have to figure that out where it's not like a, Oh, Hey, Calvin. No Noy, Hey, David and Clowney. We don't need you right now, but we're going to keep you on speed dial. No, they, they need them. now. Like they, they need them now, but it's not just that, because now with corner, the options at edge still on the market, are a lot better than they are at corner. The top options at edge are Jadavian, Clowney, Kyle Van Noy. They could maybe still go after Melvin Ingram. They could bring back old friend Jason Pierre Paul for all we know. Who knows? But at corner, again, it's the guys I mentioned earlier in the show. It's Bryce Callahan, it's William Jackson, Ronald Darby's coming off an ACL tear, maybe Achilles, one of the two, but a serious injury nonetheless. So The Ravens, I think it's much more realistic. They sign an edge guy and trade for a corner. I don't know when a trade would come. I don't even know if they're going to sign anybody, but I feel like they have, they essentially have to, right? Because of how thin their corner position is right now. And Joshua was saying, I think it explains why the Ravens went with Simpson in round three over a corner. They were thin at edge at the draft. And Simpson, I know gets, he's, you know, kind of plugged in as an inside linebacker. Those are people have him as, but I do expect him to play edge this year. I expect him to play in that role. Now, I don't think the Ravens should over utilize him in terms of being too versatile. If you've listened to me every day or you're an everyday or here that means that, you know, it'd be almost like a Zabin Collins or Isaiah Simmons situation, as I've talked about before, where it feels like the Cardinals threw too much at them at once and then utilized their skill sets, but they need people. Like, they're going to need Trenton Simpson to play. They're going to need Tavius Robinson to play. And at corner, they're going to need guys, you know, Dre Mason here saying they need to, the corners need to step up and Dara Worley's a dog. You, Dre does not like Brandon Stevens, but <laughs> there are guys all over the place that are going to have to play well. And if they don't, the Ravens defense, again, is going to have to get more creative and more creative and more creative to again, mask those deficiencies. So Joshua says, Oh, sorry, sorry, Robinson, not Simpson. Someone else was talking, but I still, I still think that Simpson is going to play edge. I still think that, you know, with Simpson, he's a player. That can do so much. You can put him at edge. You can put him in inside linebacker. You can play him. You could even put him in the slot. You can put him in coverage if you want to. So I expect Simpson to play edge this year. So Joshua, he's he's speaking facts even when he doesn't mean to. But yes, Tavius Robinson also as well. Nick D saying, Do we know if Marlin tore a ligament in his foot or is it something else? I, I don't, I, at the time of this recording, I, I'll peruse Twitter very quickly. I don't think we have an update on what the exact injury, if someone else, if someone knows you feel free to put it in the chat, but I don't think we know exactly what it is, but I was just Anderson put out, it is not a Liz Franck injury. So that in that it's, that in itself is good. I think it'd be a much longer time frame if it was. So we'll kind of see what happens. <laughs> Caitlin's saying, hashtag free the fish. The fish are swimming up there. They're they're, they're doing well. So we, we have yeah a couple live fish in the background. Joshua saying, Chase Young trade. At this point, I'd rather them trade for a corner and sign an edge. I just think there's better. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't rule it out. I don't think we've actually heard official word or confirmation that there is going to be like there has been interest from the Ravens on Chase Young. I don't think that's been the case, but he'd fit what the Ravens need. Nico said, did they establish if Marlin's injury was a react? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the exact storyline, but with John Harbaugh saying it was lingering, I guess maybe the Ravens thought that it was going to, or not thought, but I guess the thought process was maybe it will go away or maybe it will heal on its own. But Humphrey was, pre- I mean, he did media availability yesterday, so I don't necessarily know the situation like that. Zeppi saying next man up. Let's go Ravens. It, it has to be at this point, Dre saying where's the Darius Webb, Jimmy Smith. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have, you, you could go for it. Robert Jackson, Shockey Brown, go out there and bring back Chris McAllister for, uh, for all we know, Joey saying we should name the fish Edgar Allen and Poe. That's been suggested. We're, we're going to see if we're going to go with the, I'm still kind of working through it, but I'll, I'll probably announce the fish names Uh on monday even perps coming in saying hashtag free the fish I mean, we got the fish are good they're good in there but all right let, let's get a bit into joint practices before we uh, before we head out here joint practices obviously both tuesday and wednesday they ended today and it seemed like the offense was hitting on most cylinders yesterday but today was a bit of a different story jonah Schaefer, who does great work over at the baltimore banner talked a little bit about what he saw from the offense and it seemed like lamar struggled throughout the course of the day. According to him, Lamar Jackson finished 8-for-19 in full-team drills against the commander's first-string secondary. Jonathan Allen was absolutely dominant over the course of the day. He, Jack, Lamar didn't really have a tone setter either. He ended up – there were a couple of misses. He missed Odell, missed Mark Andrews. I think he might have missed Dave Flowers. Maybe Tyler Huntley did one of the two, but it just didn't feel like a good day for the offense, although Odo Beckham beat Emmanuel Forbes easy, and Zay Flowers was cutting up guys again, and he, it's it's interesting because I think with the Ravens, the narrative right now is the offense—they're going to throw the ball a lot more. They're going to throw the ball a lot more. It wasn't a great day for the running backs, though. Overall, on Wednesday, the defense, though, you know, we heard it off at Oa yesterday, had three sacks. Cordell Woodland, who does a great job over at 105.7 The Fan he was talking a little bit about what he saw from the defensive side of the ball. And again, there were actually, we, we heard about the fights, right? The, the, we saw the Tyler Wallace fight. We saw the ooh, Mark Andrews and those were not just like, Oh, hold me back. Hold me back fights. Those were, Oh, I'm going to punch you. And we're going to go type of fights, which I, which I think when you're talking about fights, that's how fights should be. But there were a few fights on the defensive side of the ball. I think it was, Owe oh, wasn't there just in that a beat game. But Cordell said that it was a good day from both Adafé Owe and David Ajabo. They were disruptive. Justin Matabike, Project Washington, and Travis Jones were all a problem to deal with. Kevon Seymour, who going to need to step up. He had a few nice pass breakups and he also said the commanders receivers are good. They give a lot of matchup problems. They do. They have Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. They have a lot of guys over there, but it seemed like the Ravens offense won the day yesterday. The Ravens defense more so won the day today. So the commander's offense got the better of the Ravens or the commander's defense, excuse me, got the better of the Ravens offense on Wednesday. But we're going to see what ends up happening with this Marlon Humphrey situation because, The Ravens could do enough on defense. Mike McDonald could scheme up enough where it's not as big of a deal. And trust me, it's a big deal, but it's not as big of a deal as we're making it out to be right now. But, you know, more realistically, the Ravens are going to have to just find one or two guys either off the street trade for a guy. So we're going to see what the Ravens have to do with that room. And obviously edge is another concern as well. So i Dre saying no more joint practices. He, Dre's done with him. He said Lamar's going to struggle. He's human. And, and that's true. There's actually, I posted a GIF on Twitter of, of a throw. I think the Ravens put out a video yesterday and there was a GIF I found of Lamar threading the needle, I think over Tyra Linderbaum and Jonathan Allen's helmet. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on with the Ravens With joint practices are done. Nico says, shout out Kevin Owen, locked on Ravens. One of my favorite Ravens podcast period, great content and extremely consistent shout outs to you, brother. I appreciate you, Nico. It's, it, it's a very nice thing to be able to have those comments and uh, those kind words don't go unappreciated. And, and all, all the support that I get here on a daily basis, it's, it's overwhelming and, and it's incredible how this show has been able to grow. And it's, it's not possible. It's not possible. With other people listening, watching, if you're a video listener an audio listener, I appreciate you as well. But that's all I have for you today on this live edition of Locked on Ravens. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. We'll be back right here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens, coming at you with a Thursday episode. So be sure to stay tuned here. We have plenty to talk about on Locked on Ravens. We'll continue to into Marlon Humphrey, joint practice takeaways, and so much more. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.